Now we're going to begin our worship this evening by singing to God's praise in Psalm 127, the Sing Psalms version of Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds up the house, its builders toil in vain. Unless he keeps the city safe, they vainly watch, maintain. And this is the truth then as it is today, that we are totally dependent on the Lord for our well-being and for our congregation's well-being. And as we consider what these verses mean, let's take them personally and sing these meditatively. Unless the Lord builds up the house, uh, we'll sing the whole of Psalm 127. Join together in prayer. Let us pray. 
we give you thanks, our Father, for the renewed opportunity of gathering in this place with your word open before us to worship you, to set aside this time for you, to hear what your word is saying to us, to uh, think upon what we have heard, and to apply the truths and the principles of your word in our day-to-day lives. We commend one another to you, praying that your Holy Spirit would reach out and touch each one of us this evening as we hear your word spoken, as we hear your word read. For we recognize that without you and without your Holy Spirit, all that we do is vanity and is of no impact or effect. But I give you thanks this evening, Lord, for every soul gathered here in this place of worship this evening. And I give you thanks for every soul gathered to worship you this day, wherever in the world worship in spirit and in truth is given. I pray for the youngest child, to the oldest person here, that each one of us would be aware of your presence close to us as we seek to honor you with our worship. We give you thanks for the words we have sung that speaks of the wisdom of dependence and reliance upon you. For we cannot do anything without you, and nothing to good effect will come unless the Spirit blesses it. So I pray for this congregation, that you would enable them to be united one with the other in that one aim, that one objective, to have your name glorified and honoured and revered in this congregation, praying that your own Holy Spirit would extend it, that you would bring growth both in the maturity of the members, in the maturity of the adherents, the boys and girls, and any who may visit this congregation, that you would bless them, that they would know that blessing that is eternal, that blessing that is the effectual calling of the Holy Spirit of souls out of darkness into your light. So I commend us to you this evening, praying that you would still our hearts and help us to concentrate upon you, that our worship would be pleasing, that uh, we would be sacrificial in our thoughts and in our hearts as we seek to give you all the honour and all the glory when we recognise in ourselves failings, when we recognise in ourselves weakness, tiredness, And we recognize that the world around us would try to drag us away from the way of God. Who would try to take us away from the truths that were taught us by the Lord. And by those who went before us. Whom you called out of darkness into your light. And who are now in your nearer presence. We give you thanks for the heritage that we have as a nation. A heritage that has been founded upon your word. And although we recognise in our own land a falling away from that word in our own nation of Scotland, we commend to you those who rule over us. We pray for our various governments in Westminster, in Holyrood and the other devolved parliaments. I pray, Lord, that you would give them a realisation of the wisdom and of the perfection that is found in the teachings of the Lord Jesus that they would recognize in the philosophy of Christ, the philosophy that will benefit a nation, 
For we do recognize that those nations who turn in recognition to, to you of their own need of your Spirit's guidance, that they would be blessed. For it is indeed righteousness that exalts a nation. But we commend to you those in our midst this evening who are anxious, those who are laid aside through illness, who are weak, who dearly love to be with us here this evening but cannot for various reasons. We pray that you would minister to them, that you would encourage them in their place, that you would help us to be discerning and sensitive to their needs so that we could minister to them practically and in other ways that would benefit them for your sake, for your name's sake. As we commend to you those who are mourning this evening, those who are sore in heart and trying to understand the circumstances they find themselves in, we pray for that family who have lost a son. We commend them to you, praying that you would uphold them with your own Holy Spirit, the only comforter that can bring comfort that is anything to their hurt hearts at this time, as we commend to you the wider family. We recognize, Lord, that providence oftentimes is hard, but we look to you in hope. We look to you in faith, recognizing that it is through the trials that you strengthen us. We recognize often that temptation comes our way, and sometimes we buckle and fail but we give you thanks, our Father, that underneath are the everlasting arms. So we ask, Lord, for forgiveness of our sins, recognizing that in the ministry of our Savior, your Son, our Lord Jesus, we saw one who was perfect, without malice, without sin, in all ways innocent and guiltless. Yet he was pierced for our iniquities. He was bruised and he was crucified on that cross in our room and in our stead. The guiltless for the guilt-ridden. Our Father, humble us now, we pray, and open our hearts and minds to be made receptive to what your word is saying to us. For we ask all this, asking that you'd forgive us our shortcomings, even in holy things, as we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We'll sing again, this time in Psalm 46, the Scottish Psalter version of Psalm 46. At verse 8. Come and behold what wondrous works have by the Lord been wrought. Come, see what desolations he on the earth hath brought. Unto the ends of all the earth, wars into peace he turns. The bow he breaks, the spear he cuts, in fire the chariot burns. Our God is a great God, and he can bring peace where there is warfare. And he asks us, in verse 10, to be still, to know that he is God. And among the heathen he will be exalted. He on earth will be exalted high. Why? Because our God, who is the Lord of hosts, is still upon our side. The God of Jacob, our refuge, forever will abide. Our God is a God of big promises, and he keeps them all. So we'll sing these verses to God's praise. Psalm 46, from verse 8, to the end of the psalm. 
Now if you turn with me please to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 3. We have here how Paul has been giving thanks to the Lord for his greatness, but recognizing that there's divisions in the church, but how Christ is the wisdom and the power of God, and that all we are about is preaching Christ and him crucified. And here we're looking at Paul focusing in on the divisions in the church at this point in time. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, well, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of <coughs> excuse me, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are this temple." Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, 
whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Amen. And may God add his own blessing to that reading of his own word. As we continue now to sing in Psalm 146, in the Scottish Psalter version of Psalm 146, Psalm 146 at verse 6. Who made the earth and the heavens high? Who made the swelling deep? And who made all that is within the same? Who truth doth ever keep? Who righteous judgment executes for those oppressed that be? Who to the hungry gives food? Well, God sets the prisoners free. And the Lord gives the blind their sight. The bowed down doth raise. The Lord doth dearly love all those that walk in upright ways. And I can't commend enough to you these words as we sing them. And when you sing them this evening, sing them from your heart. Sing them as people who mean them. And if you do not yet know this God in the way that the psalmist knew this God, consider your situations, consider your circumstance. Because God wants you to know the God who made the earth and the heavens high. He wants to be the stranger's shield. He wants to be the widow's stay. He wants to be the orphan's help. Even though the wicked might overturn in time, God rules over time and eternity. And the promise that you have here in the last verse, The Lord shall reign forevermore. Thy God, O Zion, he reigns to all generations. Praise to the Lord, give ye. These words are very meaningful to the believer. And my hope and my prayer is that as we sing them this evening, every one of us will realize the import and relevance and preciousness for ourselves. Because when we sing, Think about it this way. They're singing in heaven right now. And when we sing here in Knockbane Free Church this evening, we're joining the hosts of heaven in praising God to whom the glory belongs. These verses to God's praise. Who made the earth and heavens high? Who made the swelling deep?
Let us join together in prayer. Our gracious Lord, as we open your word before us now, help us to hear your word, your voice speak to us loudly so that we can hear and understand and apply what you are saying to us so that you and you alone would receive all the glory, all the honor and all the praise and that we would desire to leave this place having been refreshed in our hearts and in our minds to share this good news with others. But teach us this good news this evening. Help us to make it applicable to our day-to-day lives. For we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. When we look at Paul's letters and we look at the situation of the people of God in New Testament times, what this passage actually shows us is that congregations in Paul's day and generation were not perfect either. Just as congregations and gatherings of God's people on earth in 2022 are not perfect, Paul had problems that he had to deal with. He, take, he speaks here about divisions, sectarianism. But focusing on Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the be-all and end-all of all his work. Because Christ is the focus. Glory only in the Lord. Christ and him crucified. So that you can be wise spiritually. But Paul here is speaking to these people at Corinth. And, as I've said so often, to us here in North Keswick in 2022, he speaks to us as people. And we are, as people, at various stages in our day-to-day lives, at various stages in our lives. But Paul here is speaking to these people, not as spiritual people, but as to carnal people, as two babes in Christ because they are still not getting it. He is recognizing carnality, the flesh and the worldliness in the fellowship here at Corinth. There is still envy. There is still strife and divisions among you. Behaving, and as he says it here, like mere men. Which implies that he has an expectation on the people at Corinth to be better than this. He doesn't want people to have envings. He doesn't want to see strife in God's church. Why? Because we are the temple of God. And one of the reasons that there's this division or strife within the church is that some people were following the teachings of Paul and others following the teachings of Apollos. And Paul and Apollos had the one gospel, but they were supporters of Paul or Apollos. 
And it overlooked the fact that the gospel message from Paul, the gospel message from Apollos, is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So we should not follow men. We should not follow preachers, as it were, as if they were the be-all and end-all. Because we who are preachers are here for one reason. To preach Christ and him crucified. And we are to do our very, very best in preparing and in presenting this good news of Jesus. But Paul is here recognizing that there are favorites among the people at Corinth. And I suppose in one way you can say, well, it's only human to have favorites. We all have our favorites. And we all know that there are some preachers we would prefer to listen to than other preachers. But the key thing that we've got focused in on by Paul here is, there is one message. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. Because what the Lord gives preachers is the message. And what the, the Lord then does through the Spirit is use the characters and the personalities of the preachers to communicate that message. And you have to be discerning when you listen to a sermon. You have to think about what the word is saying. What the preacher is saying about that word and applying it according to the way the Spirit opens and enlightens your mind in the way that that word is explained. Because what Paul is focused on here is Christ. What Paul is always focused on is Christ. And remember two weeks ago when I was here, when we saw uh, Peter wanting to uh, prevent Jesus from dying, Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. Because you are looking at this from the man's point of view, from the point of view of humanity. Whereas Jesus was looking at God's standpoint and God's point of view. And this is what Paul is focused in on. Christ and him crucified, which is the only thing that applies to the preaching of the gospel. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Angus Mackay? Who is Farcharenic? Men whom God has placed in their hearts to preach. But the key thing is the message and the message is Christ and him crucified. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And I'm speaking to mainly farmers and people who see farmers planting. Do you know what it is to take the seed, that grain, and to plant it in the earth? You have to get the seed. You've got to prepare the ground, but then you plant it. But then, it's up to the Lord who brings growth. And so it is with the preaching. We plant seeds. 
We get you to use your minds, your ears, your hearts, to consider the import of these words to you. So that these ideas, if you like, are planted in your brains and in your hearts. So that you will benefit from what the Lord will do with that seed that's in you. That is within you. Because we don't come to church to worship the minister or the preacher. We don't come to church to just sing the psalms because we like the tunes. We come to church to offer ourselves before God as open-minded listeners of the good news so that the Lord will fill our ears and our minds and our hearts with the message that will revitalize you, with the energy that gives you strength to continue into the week ahead. And you are to join together as a united body to praise him, to sing to his name, to his praise, to learn together, but also to go forward together. Because when he speaks to the Corinthian church here, Paul is recognizing that he fed them the milk that you feed to infants, to youngsters, in the expectation that there's growth. So that they can move on to the hard stuff, to the meat, to the, the, the more bodied food that adults develop into. Because we now have the privilege, the blessing of having infants in this congregation. Infants who are still fed milk because that is what they have to get now. But as they grow, they move on to more solid foods until eventually they become eaters of solid food meat and because we're in the highlands potatoes but you see there's a progression we don't stay in the one place and when Paul wants people to develop he wants people to learn and what they learn they then apply and having applied it they develop themselves as people also. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's fields. You are God's building. And I want you to consider what that means to you this evening. In the beginning of August, imagine August already, 2022. What does that mean? You are the field. You are the building. Well, you can see the fields around us, can't you? They're getting ready to harvest. The combines are out already, cutting the hay. The silage is in. And we're seeing the barley now, it'll soon be cut. And these are evidences of hard work by the farmers. Hard work that's gone into preparing the ground, sowing the ground, and looking after the growing crop. And soon that crop will be harvested. Compare these fields to the fallow. These fields that haven't 
been cropped or sown or prepared and they're growing wild and oftentimes farmers do leave fields fallow they rotate crops but fallow fields sometimes are good you'd leave them for a year or two to regenerate but fields that never produce are a waste a waste of ground and you don't want good ground to be fallow all of the time so as a field God is looking and expecting a harvest and therein is a challenge for all of us how fertile a field are we remember the parable of the sower and the sower sowed the seed some seed fell on stones and didn't last some fell on shallow soil didn't last some was eaten by the birds but the seed that fell on good ground that had depth to it brought forth a great harvest and remember that poor soul that poor woman at the well at Samaria at that village of Sychar she was a field that was full of thorns and weeds and the worldliness of her lifestyle but when the message impacted her brain her heart her mind and transformed that heart into almost fertile of fields look at the impact she had in her own village she became a very fertile field and her witness was such that a revival was generated in that town in that village there's a challenge there if we are God's field if we are God's church there's an expectation there that seed is being sown are we encouraging that seed to grow are we encouraging that seed to be more fertile and grow into a great crop and what that would mean is that in our hearts is that desire to share that seed that God has given us with others just like that woman in Samaria did according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder that's what Paul saw himself as a preparer of the foundations I have laid the foundation and another builds on it but let each one take how he needs to build upon it but always remembering as that woman remembered it is not I it is Christ in me come let me show you and introduce you to a man who told me all about myself there's an expectation on you brother, sister to be fruitful and I'm looking at all of you and I'm looking at myself because this is the challenge God placed before that church that congregation at Corinth exactly the same message that you are hearing from God in heaven this evening in the 
village of North Keswick tonight, no other foundation can anyone lay other than that which is laid by Jesus Christ, who is the rock upon which we all build. So there we have it. A challenge to be fruitful. A challenge to take the seed that Paul is sharing with us once again. We're hearing it once again. Let's take it inside our hearts. And let's prayerfully grow it. Nurture it. So that we want to know more and more and more about what Paul is teaching these Corinthian people. So we grow in our knowledge. So that we are no longer dependent on the infant milk. But that we grow into the strong meat that enables us to become strong. That enables us to be relevant in what is becoming an increasingly challenging environment to live as a, as a Christian, as a believer in our 21st century. Because it isn't easy to live as a believer in 2022 in Scotland. But this is the challenge that's before us. To be fruitful for the Lord. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, with silver, with precious stones, wood, hair, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. We all remember that story about the three little pigs and the houses of straw and of, I can't remember what the other one, and then stone, wasn't it? Straw, wood and stone. And the wolf came and huffed and puffed and the, the two houses collapsed. It was a strong house that withstood the huffing and the puffing. And the parable that speaks of the foolish man who built his house on sand and the waters came and the winds came and blew away that house that had no foundation that had no depth to it but those who build their house on the rock that is Christ and we see here the builders building with gold, with silver with straw or, hay, or whatever will be tested not by wind or water or by the huffing and puffing of a fairy tale, but by fire. Fire from heaven. Fire that will test how we've developed our skills, our capacities as God's people to his glory by extending this kingdom. And these buildings that we're in, and what we see around us, the physicality of it, will be cleansed by fire. But only what God recognizes as solidly built on the foundation that is Christ. Because it is Christ in you that will bring growth. The Spirit in you will bring growth. That's what will withstand the fire and the testing trials that will come. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But if anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive 
a reward. And this is the promise that God gives you. He gives it to you as a boy or a girl, a man or a woman in God's house, in God's church. You build on that foundation through faith, trust and reliance in the Holy Spirit to glorify God, to see his name exalted in your life, in your mind and in your diligence and in your taking this challenge from Paul to not stay on the milk but to learn about the Bible, to study the scriptures, to become students of this word the way Paul himself was spent learning this word and preaching this word wherever he went and suffering as a result. Yet he did it all for one reason, one reason only, to glorify God. As Jesus himself said to the disciples, my food, my drink is to do the will of the Father. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And remember when we read that letter to the Colossians, as a result of the indwelling of the Spirit, you have the victory. You are victors in the warfare that we come across day in day out because we have in Christ the first fruits of that resurrection where he has overcome even death even the grave he is victorious and now sits on the right hand at the right hand of God the Father because he is the King of Kings the Lord of Lords And he promises you that if anyone defiles the temples of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. If the temple of God is holy, you, in which the Spirit dwells, is also holy. That's a hard thing to hear, isn't it? Because if I'm holy, the Spirit is in me, therefore I must be holy. And I ask myself, well Angus, if you're holy, are you living a holy life? And that's where I have to hold my head in shame compared to what I see before me here. I measure myself in that balance and I find myself wanting. And Paul himself found himself wanting when he weighed himself in that balance because he saw himself as the sinners of sinners nobody worse than him I remember a discussion in a house in Lewis about you know who was the worst sinner and said oh you're not as bad as I am Murdo. oh Donald you're worse than, uh, you're, I'm worse than you Murdo. and Donald yes I agree with Murdo. you're worse than I am and oh he didn't like that you know how, how we, can, we can take it to that extent. We all fall short. But the Lord here tells us that if we come with one clean heart, 
wishing in recognition of our own soiled nature and recognizing what Jesus has done for us, we will overcome. And we take this word as it means to be taken. We take it as truth. That expectation can be met because God expects us to grow. God expects us to be fruitful. And I love the way that this passage ends. Avoid worldly wisdom. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, in the philosophy of the 21st century, don't dwell on the wisdom of this earth, of this world. It'll pass away. The wisdom of God, the wisdom of eternity is what's critical. Because if you take upon yourself the study of the wisdom of heaven, you will be prepared to meet and to be able to challenge the philosophy of man or of the 21st century. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. That's the relative status of what humanity can do, what philosophy can do, what policies of different parties can do. They are foolishness to God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. And what was it that Solomon discovered? He asked God for wisdom. And because he didn't ask for riches or treasures, God gave him that wisdom. Vanity of vanities, all is vanities, says the preacher. Because he recognized the value of this word that God reminds us in his letter to the Corinthians. It is the value that we place on the wisdom of heaven, the truth of Christ, that will bring you all the benefits of heaven. And you will be tried and tested by these fires. And if your heart is right with God, and you are aware that he has given you the spirit to dwell in you. And if you want to give him the glory, if you want to give him the honor, the respect, the worship of your heart, of your mind, and your life and how you live it. When the fires of testing come, you will stand firm. Not on your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, let no one, let no one glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or things present, or things to come. All are yours. And you are Christ's. And Christ's is God's. Go home, read this passage this evening. All things are yours, for you are Christ's, and Christ's is God's. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks for the challenge of your words.
that challenge us to live our lives according to your word in a way that would honour you, glorify you and give you the preeminent place in our hearts and our minds. Help us to be able to stand in the strength of the Spirit, to rise up to the challenge that you have placed before us. Help each one of us to be fruitful for you, to take the seed that we have heard this evening and to have it grow in our hearts, in our minds, and be seen in our lives. For we ask all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to sing now in Psalm 126. The source psalm. In the Scottish Psalter version of the psalm. When Zion's bondage God turned back. As men that dreamed were we. Then filled with laughter was our mouth. Our tongue with melody. As streams of water in the south. Our bondage Lord recall. Whoso in tears are reaping time. Of joy and joy they shall. That's a promise. That man who bearing precious seed. In going forth doth mourn. He doubtless bringing back his sheaves rejoicing. Shall return. Let's sing these words with hope in our hearts. And encouragement in our minds to God's praise. When Zion's bondage God turned back. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy 
To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority 